Hey now, hey now, hey now, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line. So glad you are here as always. And man, got another good one for you. Now, I know you've probably spent the past 24 hours hearing it's over. It's over. It's over. The Electoral College is voted. It's over, guys. Give it up. Give it up. It's done. Trump is done. Joe Biden is your president. He's been overwhelmingly elected by a, a grand total of 80 plus million people that were just feeling so emboldened and, and, uh, and patriotic to uh, let their voice be heard. And despite... And, and to 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 condemn Donald Trump and the horrible things he's done for this country. But ladies and gentlemen, that is not the case. We'll get into that in a minute, but we got other things to talk about. You know, I've got multiple things. I, I kind of the way we do these shows, I usually concentrate on one thing, but I've got I've got like a three part deal I gotta do for this episode. So let me uh let me go through the gambit real quick. First off, Last night, after the Electoral College cast their votes, and, and we knew how this was going to go, it was not some sort of surprise the left is acting like, oh, we gotcha, we gotcha. Um, they did exactly what we thought they would do. And honestly, surprising, you you had some electors uh, defect, and uh, they cast votes uh, so some states cast partial votes for uh president trump wasn't enough to make the difference obviously but uh, nonetheless it was interesting to see joe biden comes on tv well not tv I, 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 and i don't know i mean don't you think like if if it was this big of a deal if if People believed it, and I, w- I want to put it this way, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe they did do this, but I'm, I'm almost positive they didn't, with the exception of actual news channels. Don't you think the local news channels like ABC, Fox, NBC, if they truly believed that 80 million Americans voted for Joe Biden, that and that there was that much interest in making sure he was the president, don't you think they would broadcast that, his speech, accepting the results of the electoral college on primetime tv i don't think they did that i mean fox news and and you know cnn and whoever else i'm sure they carried it but you know when we have a presidential address it's it's on the the even the local news channels i don't think that happened maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong but uh the point is most everybody knows that 80 million people did not vote for Joe Biden. And they certainly know that not 80 million people want to watch Joe Biden on TV. Because it's an absolute snooze fest. And say Joe Biden becomes president and he lasts four years. For those of us in politics, watching the president for four years is going to be the biggest snooze fast you can possibly imagine. It's a guy that won't take questions from reporters and will only, in a very controlled setting, go up to a podium and read off a teleprompter. It's exactly what he did last night uh, 
from his fictitious office of the president-elect to accept the results. And one takeaway from that, and really the only takeaway from it, was how many times he had to cough and clear his throat. Now, Joe Biden and his health status should be of top concern to everyone in the country, especially of those 80 million people that loved Joe Biden so much, they just wanted him to be president because he had accomplished so much in his 47 years, his history of being a segregationist, all the great things he's done for America. Um, You would be really concerned about his health. And every time he makes a public appearance or makes a speech, his health comes in question. I mean, anybody with a, a brain or anybody that can observe what's going on around them would know Joe Biden's not well. Now, clearing your throat is a very normal thing to do. We all do it, probably some more than others. But to do it like 46 times in one speech, it's a little odd. Here's Joe Biden. Here's the the montage of how many times Joe Biden cleared his throat during last night's Electoral College acceptance speech. Once again, in America, in America, the rule of law, more Americans voted this year than have ever voted in the history of the United States of votes counted than Pence received when they won in 2016. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or dispute the results margin four years ago. And yet, I thank them. And I'm convinced we can work together for the good of the nation on many subjects. That's the duty owed to the people, to our Constitution, to our history. You know, in this battle for the soul of America, democracy prevailed. We, the people, voted. Faith in our institutions held. The integrity of our elections remains intact. And now it's time to turn the page, as we've done throughout our history, to unite, to heal. As I said in this campaign, I will be president for all Americans. I'll work just as hard for those of you who didn't vote for me as I will for those who did. There's urgent work in front of us. Getting this pandemic under control and getting the nation vaccinated against this virus. There's Joe Biden clearing his throat. And that that was a a very small portion of how many times he cleared his throat. Uh, But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Joe Biden's going on doing his thing, whatever, uh, from his fake office. And he will continue to do so. Well, the Electoral College has voted. We then move on to January 6th, where the votes will be counted. Uh, They'll be counted by Vice President Mike Pence, interestingly enough, uh, there in Congress. So uh, we'll move on. There's there's multiple, multiple routes. Now, as I stated yesterday, the, the Trump campaign has been dealt some heavy blows in the legal circuit, in the court circuit. Um, with lawsuits and everything else, but. It's not over until it's over. It's very important for y'all to know that. Now, we have no idea. I'm not a fortune teller. Y'all know where I stand on it. I'm holding the line. I'm keeping the faith. But I can't predict the future. So I don't know what's ultimately going to happen 
But when it comes down to it, it's really never over. Even after, in the, in the case that Joe Biden takes the oath of office, even after that, more and more can and honestly will be exposed in the truth will ultimately prevail. It's all coming out as we speak, and I'll get into that in just a moment. First, I want to go over to Bill Barr. Bill Barr yesterday had a meeting with the president. Uh, Bill Barr, a guy that we really held in high esteem for, for a while, he seemed like a good guy and a guy that wanted to hold up the rule of law and, uh, you know, enforce fair and, and equal law across the board we thought we thought but he held a, a a meeting with the president yesterday and he handed the president a resignation letter saying since this thing it looks to be over i'm gonna go ahead and hang it up go home to my family for christmas and instead of me coming back just for you know a couple weeks two or three weeks, I'm just going to go ahead and resign and hand my duties over to the deputy AG. Here was his letter to the president. He said, I appreciate the opportunity to update you this afternoon on the department's review of voter fraud allegations in the 2020 election and how these allegations will continue to be pursued. At, At a time when our country is deeply divided, it is incumbent on all levels of government and all agencies acting, acting within their purview to do all we can to assure integrity of elections and promote public confidence in their outcome. That's a weird thing to say while you're uh, uh, actively resigning, but whatever. I'm greatly honored that you called me to serve your administration and the American people once again as Attorney General. I'm proud to have played a role in the many successes and unprecedented achievements you have delivered for the American people. Your record is all the more historic because you accomplished it in the face of relentless relentless resistance. Your 2016 victory speech in which you reached out to your opponents and called for working together for the benefit of all American people was immediately met by a partisan onslaught against you in which no tactic, no matter how abusive and deceitful, was out of bounds. Uh, This campaign was the effort to cripple, if not oust, your administration with frenzied and baseless accusations of collusions with Russia, blah, blah, blah. Few of whether these attacks, much less forged ahead with some positive program for the country. Oh, that's true, blah, blah, blah. During your administration, the Department of Justice has worked tirelessly to protect the public from violent crime, blah, 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 blah. Page two, let's move over to that and see what it says. And I lost it. Let's move back. Where'd you go? Let's try that one more time. I was going to read you the last paragraph because I thought it was interesting. And now it's gone. Let's scroll through this little timeline here. There it is. He says, as discussed, I will spend the next week wrap next week wrapping up a few remaining matters important to the administration and, and department on December 23rd. Wishing you, Melania, and your family a Merry Christmas and a blessed holiday season. So he said, um, 
he talked about the Department of Justice uh, tirelessly working to protect the public from violent crime, work closely with leaders in Mexico to fight the drug cartels, crack down on China's exploitation of our economy and workers, defended competition in the marketplace, especially the technology sector, and supported the men and women of law enforcement who selflessly and too often thanklessly risk their lives to keep our communities safe. So a very standardized letter from Bill Barr. And I thought a lot about this over the past 24 hours as far as, you know, what Bill Barr meant to this administration. And he did some good things. You know, he 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 really, he did a lot of good things, especially when it came to human trafficking, gangs, drug cartels, as he noted, going after China, all these things were very important and very uh, very positive for our country. But there were also things that were important to the supporters of this president, the supporters who have watched the onslaught that he talks about from what we know now as the deep state. The deep state being really Washington, D.C. as a whole. Having an outsider come in who doesn't want to play by their rules and them going after him. That includes the Obama administration, the FISA abuses, the spying on the campaign. We expected all of that to come to a head. And and we had gotten signals from Bill Barr that that, in fact, was going to happen with uh, John Durham. The uh, John Durham investigation, the Durham report, which never seemed to come to fruition. And at this point, will it ever come to fruition? It's still apparently going on. It's apparently some sort of criminal investigation, but we've seen no sign of it whatsoever. And the problem you deal with is you have to put experienced people in those positions, but the problem is experienced people are people that are embedded in D.C. If they've been there a while, that's what causes them to be a part of the deep state. So your options are very limited, right? If almost non-existent. It seems, as we went through this past four years, it almost seems as if you have zero options to pick people that were not part of the deep state. You just tried to find people that were not as much a part of the deep state because they were going to be a part of it to some extent. You just kind of had to find that middle ground, I, I, I guess. It's that, that's the optics coming from us on the ground. Us average people who are supporting a guy who, who saw this guy go up there to stick up for the American people in Washington, D.C. said, no, 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 that's not the way we do it. We don't stick up for these people. We pat them on the head. We caress them. We hug them. We coddle them with speeches and feel-good stories. But when it comes to action, it's a different it's a different deal. And see, Trump was the opposite. He didn't coddle you and rock you to sleep with speeches and language and, 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 and tweets. It was the opposite. He was brash. He was rude. He was honest. But his actions are what proved to be beneficial to the American people. Everybody else in D.C. is the opposite. Their words are what seem to be the beneficial part 
for the American people. And that's what has the left fooled. It's all about language. It's all about talking. It's all about talking it out. It's all about conversations. All talk, no action. They don't care about action. They just care about what you say to them. We, on the other hand, we don't care what you say to us. We don't care what the talk is. We want the action. We don't want all talk, no action. We're better off with no talk, all action. We judge people based on what they do, not what they say. And that is the stark difference between the right and the left. That's important to know. But Bill Barr uh, did some things within the, the, the two months leading up to the election that, that had me honestly excited that seemed to really just fall flat on its face. And that's what bothers me the most about his resignation. And this is something we did on the show. I played this for you, but I want to play it again. Bill Barr goes on CNN and does an interview with Wolf Blitzer. And they discuss mail-in voting. Now, this is the early days of states saying, we got a pandemic going on. We're going to have to do this mail-in voting. Now, this is obviously liberal activist politicians, governors, mayors, whatever. They're the ones saying this, okay? This, this is a point in time where the initial setup for the fix started. And they're saying that it's just, it's our only choice. People can't get out. It's too, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous for people to get out and vote. We have to make sure they can vote from home. Not going to Walmart or Lowe's or Home Depot. That's not dangerous. That's fine. But a polling place, a polling place is a coronavirus breeding ground. And it is Far too scary, far too dangerous for people to do that. That was their excuse. They knew it wasn't true. It was all part of a larger plan. So he's on Wolf Blitzer. They talk about an array of issues. But the mail-in voting thing comes up. And Bill Barr gets testy with Wolf Blitzer. And I was proud of the guy. I thought, man, this guy's sticking up. And if this thing goes south, if the election goes south because of this mail-in voting then we've got a guy in our corner. Listen to this exchange between the two. It's very interesting. And, and pretend like Bill Barr is still a good guy, and it, it, it will get you kind of pumped up. This is a you know sort of cheap talk to get around the fundamental problem, which is the bipartisan commission chaired by Jimmy Carter and James Baker said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion. But since then, and, there have and been until a lot this of well, no, well, have improved it. Let me talk. Yeah, please. Uh, and since, this, since that time, there have been, in the newspapers, in networks, academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. But elections that have been held with mail have found substantial fraud and coercion. For example, we indicted someone in Texas, 1,700 ballots collected he from people who ha could vote. He made them out and voted for the person he wanted to. Okay? Because that kind of thing happens with mail-in ballots, are, and everyone knows But it. there are individuals, uh, cases, but as far as widespread fraud, we haven't seen that since... Uh, well, we, have, we haven't had the kind of widespread use of mail-in ballots that's being proposed. We've had absentee ballots from people who request them from a specific address. 
Now what we're talking about is mailing them to everyone on the voter list when everyone knows those voter lists are inaccurate. People who should get them don't get them, which is what has been one of the major complaints in states that have tried this in, in municipal elections. And uh, people who get them are not the right people. They're people who have replaced the, the previous occupant, and they can make them out. And sometimes multiple ballots come to the same address with a whole genera several generations of occupants. Do you think that's a way to run a vote? Well, uh, the only thing I'm saying is that so far we haven't seen widespread fraud. But you so far we haven't tried it. Well, and the point is that a lot of us, uh, there are several states that only have mail-in voting, including a Republican well, state Well, this like is Utah. playing with fire. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government, and people trying to change the rules to this, to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And the people are playing with fire. Well, I, I will point out there are five states that only have mail-in voting, including Utah and Colorado, Washington State, Oregon, uh, Hawaii, and they've, they've reported over the years they've had virtually no problems. But who's trying to change the rules right now? I would say the people who want to go to mass mail-in ballots. But you understand why. There is a coronavirus pandemic. Right. And there are a lot of people, uh, potentially, if they waited long lines, uh, when they go to the polls, uh, and they, could get, they could get sick, especially older people or people with underlying conditions. As a result, a lot of people want to change the rules so they don't have to go wait right. long people, lines. Well, they don't have to touch all this. And the appropriate way to deal with that is, number one, arrangements at the polls that protect people, which can be done. And number two, people who are, have pre-existing conditions and are particularly vulnerable can get an absentee ballot. I have no problem with people. I've, I've voted by absentee ballot, not by mail. I actually went to the office to cast my vote. But absentee ballots are fine. All right, let's move on and talk a little bit about uh, another suggestion. You've said you were worried that a foreign country could send thousands of fake ballots, thousands of fake ballots to people, and it might be impossible to detect. What are you basing that on? I'm basing that, as I've said repeatedly, I'm basing that on logic. Pardon? Logic. But have you seen any evidence that a foreign country is trying to interfere no, I'm saying in that people, way? No, I'm saying people are creating... concerned about foreign influence. And if we use a ballot system with the, with the system that, some, you know, that states are just now trying to adopt, it does leave open the possibility of counterfeiting. Counterfeiting ballots, and either so, by someone so, here or so someone So you think overseas. a foreign country could do that? I think anyone could do it. Have you seen any evidence that they're trying to do that? No, but most things can be counterfeited. That's why we go to the trouble of, you know, counter, uh, of uh, making our money the way we make it. Now, you know, should we have Minnesota print up our money on, on you know, regular parchment paper? I ask the question because U.S. intelligence officials have said they've seen no information or intelligence that foreign countries, whether Russia or yeah, China... Yeah, well, you asked the question, but I've, I've answered that question several times. I said, no, I don't have any uh, information because this is the first time we've tried such a thing. During your tenure as Attorney General of the United States, how many indictments have you brought against people committing voter fraud? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but several. I know of. Like a handful? I, I can't, I, I don't know. But several doesn't sound like too many. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know how many we have. I, I know there are a number of investigations right now, some very big ones in states. The president also has said, and I'm quoting him directly, that he's uh, ready to send sheriffs, law enforcement, and U.S. attorneys to polling places on election day. Uh, you're the attorney general. Can the president do that legally? 
Uh, I, it depends if he's responding to a particular criminal threat. Well, he says he just wants to do it as a precaution. I, I, don't, I, I didn't hear him say that. The uh, acting uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, said on CNN, uh, we don't have any authority to do that. Right. That's what he specifically said. Well, I'm saying, Is he right? Well, if there was, no, if there was a specific investigative uh, danger that we, that we detected some problem and risk. Has he yes, raised we, that possibility with you to send Justice Department no, law enforcement no. to polling places on Election Day, November 3rd? No. As a precaution? No. But sometimes they have been in the past to enforce civil rights. Because he said we're going to send sheriffs well, law enforcement well, we, we've, we've done so in the past to enforce civil rights to make sure that people were not being... Uh, harassed and, and there was no suppression of vote against African-Americans. Let's talk a little bit about uh, foreign interference, uh, Russia specifically, the top uh, elections official in the office of the director. So uh, there is Bill Barr on Wolf Blitzer, CNN, uh, 60 days, two months before the election. And he really gave me some hope. I mean, it, it, watching that again, now that everything's kind of passed, you realize that he, as well as the president, knew exactly what was going to happen with all this. You see that now. He said it's going to be a disaster. His, his exact words, you're, you're playing with fire if you go down this road. So what's bothersome is he knew it was going to happen. It happened, and instead of him going after it, and not saying the Justice Department's not actively going after it, even though I don't have high hopes on that, why resign now? If you are actively investigating that fraud, as you said in your resignation letter, you are, why are you resigning Shouldn't you stick it out? Shouldn't you follow through? It's a simple question. I think it's a fair question. Why? Why not finish it out? I think Bill Barr's a good man. I just think he's probably been in Washington, D.C. too long, and instead of doing what's right, just like many people in D.C., it is easier for them to just hang it up. And that's what Republicans have done for so long. Instead of fighting, it was easier for them to move on to the next fight. Fortunately, Donald Trump, who is not that kind of guy, has convinced some in the Republican Party to drop that frame of mind and actually take up the fight head on when it presents itself. In this case... You had so many people, especially especially in the beginning, what, what, a week after Election Day, when the media outlets had declared Joe Biden the winner, so many within the party was like, well, that's it. There's nothing we can do. And the president's like, no, there's, there's plenty we can do. The Trump legal team, no, there's, there's lots of stuff we can do. And then other Republicans started jumping on board. It's only a percentage of them. But they're jumping on board and, and they're saying, let's go. Let's let's fight this thing. I watched yesterday Mo Brooks from here in Alabama, from up in Huntsville, Congressman Mo Brooks, who was on with Lou Dobbs. And he said, hey, when this thing gets to Congress, I'm contesting it. And then if I can get one senator 
one member of the Senate to join me in contesting that, you only have to have one congressman and one senator, then that forces a floor vote. I don't know the exact procedures. But if you've got one from each each chamber of Congress, then you can force a vote on what to do next. Not that that will change anything, but it will be interesting to see who stands up and who does not. The one thing you have to give Trump credit for, and Republicans in Congress need to take note of this, conservatives, for the most part, have a higher standard of what they expect in an election official now than they did four years ago. Four years ago, it was the lesser of two evils. In 2020, we realized we deserve better than the lesser of two evils. We deserve somebody that's going to stand up for our needs, for our desires, for our freedom. And when I say our, I don't mean conservatives, I mean Americans. We want somebody that is going to stand up for Americans and not just continue to play the D.C. game. Not just continue to uh, make a spectacle on TV in some sort of confirmation hearing and then go have a, 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 a beer and dinner with the people you just finished slugging it out with on, on national TV. We're done with that. Those days are over. So Republicans should take notice that things have changed within the Republican Party. And if they do not, if they continue to go back to their old ways, there will be a new Republican Party. And it will be the detriment to conservative lawmakers and maybe even conservative presidents. Because it will effectively split the conservatives into two parties, which weakens the conservative movement, honestly. In the short term, in the long term, I believe it'll make them stronger than ever. But if you've got 50-50 and then you take one of those 50 and split it into 25 and 25, neither one of those factions can come overcome the 50 which is the Democrats. They're going to stick together, assuming that they can get along between their moderate and left-wing sides of the party. It's going to be interesting. And we can break down those dynamics another day. I don't want to get into all that because what I want to talk about now, outside of Bill Barr, is the evidence, the massive evidence that's coming out. And this is another reason that it's bizarre that Bill Barr would resign at this point. Because evidence of voter fraud is flying at us faster than we can keep up with it. You've got several forensic reports coming out now about Dominion machines. We'll start off in Nevada. In Nevada, in Clark County, elections officials happened to report an error scanning about 70 percent of ballots now let me explain this to you these have to do with the dominion machines the way the dominion machines work is they scan a ballot if there is a problem with the ballot whether it's not marked right or it's smudged or whatever the case is if there is any sort of issue with it 
it gets sent to an adjudication folder or an adjudication section. Once that happens, the adjudication process entails a human being determining what the voter meant and who the voter intended to vote for. In an election as corrupt as this, that person that is designated to look through the adjudicated ballots can do whatever they want. And really, as we're seeing in some areas, will face no sort of responsibility because they're destroying the evidence. But the problem is there should not be a large amount of adjudicated ballots. There should not be a large amount of ballots that have a problem and have to be corrected by a human being. Because in this election, it's become obvious we can't trust human beings. Well, we can't trust machines either, but we can't trust anybody, okay? Um, When 70% of those ballots in Clark County are having to be reviewed by somebody, who knows who it is? Who knows their political affiliation? Or how much they hate Donald Trump or how much they love Joe Biden? That's a problem. All mail, all mail ballots in Clark County were counted first by running them through a digital scanner. If the scanner cannot read the ballot or determine the voter's intent, the ballot is sent to an adjudication or duplication team, both of which are overseen by bipartisan election by a bipartisan election board. County uh, county election officials have said about seventy percent of ballots are sent to be reviewed by election officials. Now, election officials, who would that be? When we're talking about election day or the days after, that would be the ballot challengers. The Republican, the Democrat, and the Independent. They're supposed to be standing around these counters, watching the ballots, making sure everything's on the up and up, and anytime something's not on the up and up, they're supposed to challenge it. Hey, stop. We need to see that ballot. need to make sure everything's right. But yet we've heard story after story after story of those challengers being bullied, harassed, threatened, and kicked out of those centers. So who's reviewing it? And it was only the Republicans. I, I, I have yet to hear of one Democrat ballot challenger that has been kicked out of a vote counting center. Not one. It's been all Republicans. Why is that? Well, you know why it is. I don't have to explain it to you. So 70% of those in Clark County were adjudicated and handled by God knows who. That's in Clark County, Nevada. These wrong Dominion machines. We hear this story over and over, which means the Dominion machines were set up that way. It even says it in their owner's manual. Then you move over to Michigan, where in one county, 33% of the votes were not just adjudicated, but were switched electronically from Donald Trump 
to Joseph R. Biden. That's a problem, okay? It is an electronic flip that gives the votes belonging to one candidate to another. Now, this is where this comes from is a forensic report. So a judge in Michigan said, hey, let's get our hands on some of these machines. We'll get an independent team to look at it and give us a report on what they found. Seems fair enough. That's where we're getting this information, by the way. This is Allied Security Operations Group doing the one in Michigan. Uh, uh, I forget how you pronounce the name of this county. Antrim, Michigan. So they look at them. They release their report. It goes through, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're, well, who they are as a company. What they do. What their purpose is. Blah, blah, blah. Then they get in to breaking down what exactly they found. And they said the Antrim County Clerk and Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, have stated that the election night error detailed above by the vote flip from Trump to Biden was the result of human error caused by the failure to update the uh, Mancelona Township tabulator prior to election night for a down-ballot race. We disagree and conclude that the flip occurred because the machine error built into the voting software designed was designed to create the error. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson's statement on November 6, 2020, that, quote, the correct results always were and continue to be reflected on the tabulator totals tape was false. The allowable election error rate established by the Federal Election Commission guidelines. Now, this is, this is what the FEC allows as far as voting machines go. They give you a little window. They say, this is how many errors you can have in a machine before it's completely illegal. One in 250,000 ballots. So for every 250,000 ballots, one of them can get messed up in the machine. And it still be legal, according to the FEC. That is approximately 0.0008%. This company said, we observed an error rate in these machines of 68.05%. This demonstrated a significant and fatal error in security and election integrity. The results of the Antrim County 2020 election are not certifiable. This is a result of machine and or software error, not human error. The tabulation log for the forensic examination of the server for Antrim County from December 6, 2020 consists of 15,676 individual events, of which 10,667, or 68.05%, of the events were recorded errors. These errors resulted in overall tabulation errors or ballots being sent to adjudication. This high error rate proves the Dominion voting system is flawed and does not meet state or federal election laws. The law was broken. And it's not like it's just a faulty machine. 
They knew it was going to do this. It was explained to them. It was explained to the states when they bought it. They test them out. That's why Texas rejected them. They examined the machines before they bought them. Now, in some states, in particular Georgia, they get kickbacks to their friends and their families and everybody else for purchasing these machines. So it was a sweetheart deal. He said, yeah, we'll spend Georgia taxpayer dollars on this stuff if you're going to stuff our family members' pockets. And that's exactly what happened. Very illegal, highly illegal stuff that will eventually come out. But this right here is the proof of those crazy conspiracy theories Sidney Powell was talking about. The crazy conspiracy... I don't know if you guys have dealt with this, but I have. Liberals coming after you. Oh, yeah, you say that Hugo Chavez interfered in the election and created these machines even though he's been dead for 15 years. They take the truth and they twist it and try to make you look stupid. This software, these voting machines, were created for and paid for by Hugo Chavez in order to get him elected. That is now proven. It's really proven by CNN's own reporting back in 2006. <laughs> we got it on our social media. You can go watch those reports. We know this stuff is corrupt. We know these machines were set up in order to produce a desired outcome. Now here's the proof. Each day, we continue to get more and more and more proof. It's enough proof to have one judge in Michigan to set a court date to examine this stuff further. She has opened, or he has opened a case in this Dominion software errors, glitches, whatever you want to call them. It's not glitches because it's intentional. And these were used all over the country. This is outside of the man-made voter fraud. The fraud that we saw on video of people pulling suitcases out from under tables. People running the same ballots multiple times. There's two or three extensions to this voter fraud scheme. And they built it that way on purpose. They wanted to make it complicated. They wanted to make it hard for the American people to follow so people would just throw their hands up and stop questioning it. They wanted to make it seem so outlandish that it would be easy to make people like Sidney Powell and others that are speaking, up, uh, speaking out against this as crazy, wacko conspiracy theorists. Because there's no way that stuff could be really happening. But it is. And we know that. We have the proof. Those people that are calling you wacko, crazy conspiracy theorists are the same people that are telling you this election is over. Now keep in mind, these, these people are easy, very, very easy to read. And I want you to think about this every time you hear them say, it's over, it's over, it's over. Because it's easy 
to hear them say it's over and get kind of freaked out. You know, you may read one or two tweets from a news outlet or whatever and see it and be like, maybe it actually is over. Don't listen to them. Here's why you don't listen to them. Think about all the times they've told you it's over. When the election results resulted in when 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 the when the tabulation resulted in the media outlets calling Joe Biden the winner, they said it's over. It's done. There's nothing you can do. Then when they did the recounts in Georgia and other states, they said it again. It's, oh, now it's over. Now, now it's over. The recounts are done. There's no voter fraud. That's been proven. It's over. Then they had vote certification throughout all 50 states. Once that happened. Oh, it's over now. Now it's over. This, this it's, it's really over this time. Then the safe harbor deadline came. Oh, no, no. Actually, now now's the time it's over. It's over this time. The safe harbor deadline, that's, that's when you can't do anything else about it. Then last night, the Electoral College cast their votes. Oh, yeah, this, this time. This is the time that it's over. Now, now it's over. Why do they keep moving the goalpost? Why do they start here, say it's over, and then we move to the next stage, and they, no, now it's over. Now, the next time, oh, no, this is the time. This, this means it's over. Why does it keep changing? It's exactly why you don't need to listen to these people. USA Today, I saw those guys um, put out a piece. I was reading it. And they said that the Electoral College vote makes Trump's loss official. But it doesn't. And I'm sure USA Today has made that statement countless times throughout this process like the other media outlets. January 6th, those votes will be sent to Congress. Vice President Michael Pence will count those votes. Congressmen and women, senators, will have the opportunity to object. There will be votes. This is going to be messy. This is not your grandpa's presidential election. This one's different. So hang on tight. It's going to be a wild ride. Make sure you click the subscribe button on this channel. Share it with your friends and your family. Follow us on social media. On Facebook, over the line, on Parlor, Twitter, and whatever else. At Andrew McLean, who that's where I'm at. And uh, what else? What else we got for you? Oh, check out my friends at Vapor Forge. If you're in the Birmingham area, out there on 280. By Bailey Brothers. Best vape store on the planet. It's where I always go. I'm actually there probably more than I should be. If you happen to be in the area, stop by there. You may see me. Who knows? Brand new episode coming up tomorrow. I'm sure it will be as ex as exciting as the rest of them. Make sure you keep it locked in. We'll be back. And until next time, see you, cool.